and open our Bibles tonight, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we'll begin reading verse 23, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. I've heard of some wild missionary tales, but these verses, is as, that's as rough as it gets. A night in a day. Can you imagine being out on the sea a night and a day, shipwreck? In journeyings often, perils of waters, perils of robbers, and perils by mine own countrymen. Perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, and watchings often, in hunger, thirst, fastings often, cold, nakedness. Beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. I want to preach for just a few minutes tonight on rising above. When you consider the life of Paul and all that he dealt with over his ministry, uh, what he suffered, any of those things, any one of these things would knock the average missionary off the field and out of the work, a pastor would quit. To think of this kind of pressure, there are people that caved under the pressures of COVID. Quit church, quit the ministry, quit ministries in the church. And here's Paul beaten repeatedly. Just one of these beatings was enough to tap out. But on four occasions, jailed, stoned to death, constantly in danger. How many of us uh, complain about a 30-minute drive to church? And uh, Paul never enjoyed a single moment in the Toyota Avalon or a Tundra or any car of any sort. Can't imagine if I asked our preacher boys, hey, who wants to go with me to San Antonio to pass up some tracks Monday? Sure, Pastor, where do you want to meet? Here or there, either way. What are we taking? Oh, we're walking. I mean, it was, it was farther from uh, Philippi to Thessalonica than it is from Austin to San Antonio. And Paul did that after he'd been beaten and jailed. And he healed yet. And it's just phenomenal. Here's my point. I was flying this week. When we flew out of town, there's a storm. And it was rough getting out. But as soon as you get above the clouds, it was blue. And the sun was shining. And it was nice just to fly above. It, it didn't last for for the whole day, but it's nice to get above, fly above for a little bit before you come back down to reality. And I think Paul really learned to fly above the circumstances. And there are people in life, you look at people, it's, it's easy to become confused just by looking at people, what they're dealing with, because you can't tell by the face or the countenance, the spirit, the attitude, or the speech. You can't measure man's problems that way because there are some that simply fly above the circumstances, and there are always that are uh, a group that are under the weather. I mean, it's Christmas, and they found a reason to complain. It's their birthday, and they're upset. It's the most perfect day of their life, and they still uh, have a reason to be miserable. I thank God for those Christians who set a good example. Brother Bishop is one of those who we've brought in over the years. What that man has suffered and what he suffers on a daily basis, and yet his ministry is called the God is Good Ministries. And phenomenal to think about someone who determines to wake up every day and reach an altitude spiritually that's above the clouds and saying, I'm not going to live every day under the circumstances. 
I'm just not going to live that way. And I want you to look at a couple of texts tonight very quickly. Turn with me quickly, Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. There are homes with problems and people with health problems, people with financial problems. You most likely won't even know those in this church with the most serious problems because some of those people are closest to God and have figured out a way to rise above and fly above the circumstances. You know, I'm always amazed at teenagers, how they've perfected the art of being upset with life. I, I mean, no bills to pay. You're talking about living the dream from a house, all the utilities taken care of, most of their clothes, wardrobe provided by their parents, food on the table, personal chef. Some have a personal laundry mats right there at the house, dry cleaning paid for, phenomenal the life they're living, a personal chauffeur. I mean, when, when in life are you going to be able to afford that kind of lifestyle with the money these kids are about ready to make? And yet, they've perfected the art of waking up unhappy and going to bed unhappy when life couldn't be more perfect. Church, we, you know, we had better do our kids the favor of teaching them how good life is at this moment. Unbelievable, the blessings of God. And it's unbelievable uh, the frustration that we can feel with life because we look around and, and, and think there's something yet that we are missing. Look what it says, Colossians 3, 2. Set your affection on what? Things above, not on things of this earth. Pastor, how do I fly above my circumstances? You set your affection on things above. Now, here's how you stay in the middle of the storm. Here's how you stay depressed and frustrated at life. You get your focus on everything that's happening down here. You just take a look at, uh, you know, the possibility of an economic downturn. You already, I can't believe people talking about houses and housing prices. You already own a house and you bought it at a good time and you have a lot of equity. If you're not newly married, you probably don't fall into that category. So get happy. Amen. It'll, it'll change soon enough. Don't worry. It'll, it'll, nothing ever lasts forever. I mean, good night. The, the blessings that we're enjoying. But here's the problem with our happiness. We, we can't be happy. We can't be content. We can't be satisfied when all of our attention is on what do I have now? What do I have in retirement? What am I going to make tomorrow? What is the government going to do tomorrow? What's going to happen in Ukraine? Is in our focus in our entire life, literally. My car has 118,000 miles. I wonder when it's going to break down. Enjoy it until it does. And then fix it. But why worry about it while you put more miles on it? And, and what's going to happen to grocery prices? You've got grocery in your cupboard right now. Set your affection. Set your affection. You don't make you happy if you get focused on souls instead of focused on gas prices. If you get involved in a bus route and understand uh, the blessing of watching these kids get saved and, and begin to, to set their affection, it's both kids, on the things of God. Now, can you imagine, let me ask you this. Had Paul lived his life as a missionary with his affection on the things of this earth? Tell me about the house that Paul owned. Oh, he didn't. Tell me about the wardrobe he had. Oh, he, besides what he was wearing... Tell me about the income. Tell me about the retirement. Tell me about the luxury. that he, None of it. He had none of that. And yet you find one of the happiest men on the planet. I guarantee you, if you just walked up and met Paul in the street corner, you would have thought, this man has no problems. Let, let him show you the scars on his back. The strange way he walks from the injuries that 
he's dealt with for the cause of Christ. And knowing tomorrow, he's carrying these heavy burdens. Uh, church at Corinth has gone Pentecostal. Church at Galatia has gone uh, Church of Christ. Church at Thessalonica uh, is unsure about eschatology and when the coming Lord is going to take place or if it's already happened. And all these baby Christians that he's invested in, now he's just wondering, where are they going doctrinally? What's going to happen to these churches? Corinth is doubting his apostleship. Got people fussing at each other. And here's what Paul's doing. Paul's saying, none of these things in life are going to put me in a bad mood. I simply refuse. I'm going to set my affection on things that are above. And when you look at Christians who are living under the weather and under the circumstances, you're going to find them tormented by the torments. And they're daily. Folks, life will always provide you a reason to be discontent or miserable every day. And until we say, you know what, I'm going to get my focus on the heavenly, I'm going to get my focus on things that are eternal, I'm going to take my focus off the news of the day and the problems of the day, whatever I'm dealing with. Because if you're not dealing with health today, you will deal with it tomorrow. If you're not dealing with a financial problem today, you'll deal with it tomorrow. If you're not dealing with a relationship problem today, you'll deal with it tomorrow. And simply saying, there's, there's no way. I can imagine being your pastor. I'm supposed to be your spiritual leader. Uh, I can't imagine if you had a pastor that carried into your appointment or carried into your service the cares and the problems of ministry or the problems of life. When we have a God that's all bigger than that and saying, I'm not going to let life ruin my day. I'm not going to let life's circumstances ruin my day. My, my wife and I, we, we laugh because we're so different in personality. My wife loves Christmas and Thanksgiving and birthdays and holidays and vacation. And she looks at me as strange because she said, Adam, don't, don't you just love today, first day of vacation? I'm like, I love every day. If it's a Monday in Austin or a Thursday night in, in a conference or if it's a Saturday morning, so on, and it's the best day of my life because it's the only day I've got right now. And I think truly we've got our expectations so high that if today, if there's any curveball, if there's any frustration, if, if circumstances don't meet my expectations, I'm going to be right in the middle of the storm. I want to get above. I want to get above the cloud level. Every day, I, I want to take my, my spiritual state of mind and get above the clouds where I say, I'm not going to live tormented by what's going on around me or what's going on in this world or what's going on in American politics or what's going on in our economy or what is going on in the church. I am determined, amen, to live above. Go with me to 1 Peter 4.8. 1 Peter 4.8, look what it says. And above all, there it is, above all things, what's the command? Have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover a multitude of sins. You know how to rise above the circumstances? Above all, fervent charity. You watch marriages in the middle of the storm. You say, Pastor, how do I fix this? Fervent charity. Problems in the church. Problems in the relationship. How, how do I fix this? Fervent charity. Uh, I love, we, over the years, I've had people leave church and become angry. I've had people uh, attack the church, attack the pastor, Lie about the church, lie about the pastor. Try to. I've, I've had four death threats since I've been in Austin pastoring. But here's what, whatever we've dealt with over the past 30 years of ministry, I determined a long time ago, I'm not letting you take my joy. No matter how much you hate me, 
I'm not letting you take my joy. I'm not going to be frustrated with you. I'm not going to be frustrated by you. You know how many times I've had people come up and say, Pastor, do you forgive me two years ago? I'm like, stop. First of all, I probably was never offended. Second of all, I don't remember. Third of all, I don't need you to refresh my memory. It's over. Whatever it is, I want you to look me in the eyes and no, it may not be over for you, but it's over for me. I don't hold a grudge. I don't carry a grudge. I'm not going to be angry with you no matter how upset you are about life or something, whatever's got Bert has gotten under your saddle. And here's what's, here's what's crazy in life. We let everything and everyone bother us. And here's what I enjoy occasionally, once a year or so, someone that's left anger, someone has a burn of the saddle, occasionally I'll see them in public, and they try to get invisible. And I love grocery store, restaurant, doesn't matter where it is. Brother Jamie, will you stand up for a minute? When that person, anger the pastor, is out and runs into this pastor trying to be invisible, here's what this pastor does. Hey, so how you been? Real good. Good. Boy, I, they cannot get out of that embrace quick enough. They cannot. Uh, at least once a year, I have the privilege of buying a meal for an ex-member. And sometimes we let it go, don't say a word, we just leave. And other times, uh, we, we make sure on our way out just to stop by and say, we got your meal. It's taken care of. Love you, brother. Amen. You know why? Your look's not going to ruin my day. Your temperament, your frustration, your anger, your bitterness is not going to spill over. I've got too much living to do. I, I, I cannot afford to lose today because of a frustration in the past or because someone uh, doesn't like me or stand in line. The list is long. You know, take a number. There's others way in front of you. But I'm, I'm not. Here's what Paul did. Can you imagine had he not lived a life of fervent charity? When you're attacked and betrayed and some that you invested so much time in like Demas has forsaken you, you're at the end of your life, you're in prison, and you have just a handful of people that are still standing with you, and they're spread abroad trying to minister and can't even stand with you in person. You know how he flew above that, those circumstances? Fervent charity. Pastor, what do I do with my mate? Fervent charity. Uh, how do I handle this circumstance? Fervent charity. Pastor, I've been stabbed in the back. What do I do? Fervent charity helps you to fly above. Charity won't even get you above the cloud line. Fervent charity will get you above the cloud line. Go with me to James chapter 3. James 3, 15. This wisdom descendeth not from above. Talking about the world's wisdom. Wisdom you get at a university. It's earthly. It's what? Sensual and what? Straight from Satan, straight from hell. For where envy and strife is, there's confusion every evil work. But the wisdom that is from up, from where? Above. It's pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. That puts you on a level that's above. I, I want to fly above. Then you need wisdom to fly above. You, you know what life does? It constantly drags you down. And so many Christians, it's hard to believe how many Christians are paying the consequence of poor decision-making when in chapter 1 of this same book it says, if any man lack wisdom, let him what? Ask of It's available. You, you don't have to be a certain age to qualify for God-given wisdom. 
Did you know 15-year-olds and 25-year-olds and 35-year-olds can have enough wisdom to avoid the mistakes that the average 15-year-old makes and the average 25-year-old makes if he gets on his face before God and says, God, I want to fly above the disaster of life. I want to fly above the mistakes that are so common. I want to fly above the consequences of sin. I want to fly above. And all of you that got saved at a later age in life know even now there are still repercussions. There are like the, the credit card payments and the interest only gets higher with time. And, and God forgives and God restores and God alleviates through grace and mercy some of those consequences. But whether that's a divorce or so many other sins of the past, it, it's like Groundhog Day, 10 years and 15 years and 20 years. And God will give you the grace to work through that but you ought to ask for the wisdom of God to avoid that, that wisdom from above. And it, it's amazing, the, the wisdom. We, we think, well, I'm, I'm listening to, to so-and-so give financial advice, and I've read all of Maxwell's books, and I'm constantly, you know, engaged in self-help books, and my library's growing. I, I praise God for all of that. You ought to be growing, and I, I think that some of, that's a good, some of that is a good idea. Uh, but you know what? You get God's wisdom. You get in this book. You get on your face, and you ask God, God, would you fill me with wisdom from above? Because I want to fly above. Amen. And there are people, their life is stuck below the clouds because there's no heavenly wisdom. I, I'm amazed. It, it people, doesn't matter their age. But instead of seeking heavenly wisdom, well, pastor, you know, I made a decision, and this is what I'm going to do, and I, I, and I don't say anything. Life has a steel-toed boot ready to kick you. Don't get in line. Get on your knees and say, God, I don't, I, I, I don't want to have wisdom of my age. I want to have wisdom beyond my age. I, I don't want to have normal intelligence. I want godly understanding. God, I want your word to permeate my thoughts and my decision-making. I can't afford, life is already too complicated. Young people, if you could only understand how life is, is extremely complicated and only growing more and more complicated, and the best way to uncomplicate it is through the wisdom of God that will get you above the cloud line. And that wisdom that comes from below will keep you below the cloud line. You know how Paul manages his circumstances? Focus on the heavenly. Focus on the heavenly. Fervent charity. And on his knees saying, God, I want wisdom from above to keep me flying above. Go with me to Psalms 100. Psalms 108. Look what it says, verse 1. Oh, God, my heart is fixed. I will sing. Nothing's going to deter me from singing and giving praise, even with my glory. Awake, psaltery, and harp. I myself will wake early. For what purpose will he awake early? I will praise you, O Lord, among the people. I will sing praise unto thee among the nations. For thy mercy is great above the heavens. Thy truth reaches under the clouds. Look what it says, verse 5. Be thou exalted, O God, what? Above the heavens. Now, if we're going to get on God's level, we do it through praise. So if I'm going to fly above, it doesn't come through complaints. It doesn't come through frustration. It doesn't come through bellyache. That pulls me below the cloud line. That's easy to do. That's an easy place to live. We wake up every day. And have a list, starting our day, of 100 reasons to complain. I don't want to live there. I don't enjoy it. Listen, if you're a complainer, please don't ask me to go to lunch with you. I can't take it. 
I, I want to hear about the blessings of life. I want, I want to hear about, we, we have problems. We may have to deal with a problem. I'm not talking about that, but I'm just talking about someone who is a natural, gifted, spiritually gifted in complaints. And Brother Jeremy said tonight, I'm on the whining side. You know, if you're on the whining side, I don't have any desire to do barbecue with you. I don't care how good a barbecue. I don't even care if it's blacks. I don't care. I don't want to do blacks with a whiner. I want to do blacks with a winner. Amen? I think in life, people have, have gotten into the habit of flying below the cloud line. And it's just this problem and that problem. And someone even say, Pastor, I have a cloud hanging over my head. Fly above. And you know how you do that? David did that. If, if you look at guys with extreme problems, David and Paul, and in David's case, a lot of that was even self-inflicted. But he said, although I'm banned, self-inflicted consequences, I'm still going to fly above, and the only way to get this plane off is early in the morning by way of praise. I want to get up into God's stratosphere, and God inhabits praise. So I'm going to make sure, here's what Paul did. Paul's in prison. He's been beaten, and he did what was normal to him. I'm going to sing in praise. You can tell God got pretty excited. I think heaven got to jumping around, earth got to shaking. Next thing you know, prisoners saved. Paul's released. You know what? There was just a habit. St. Paul said, even in jail and even in these circumstances and even the roughest that I have to deal with in this life is not going to keep me. Let me ask you this. How do you sit in prison that beaten up, that hurt, physically, emotionally, and spiritually? God, I'm doing your work. I'm winning the loss. Look at the result of this. Look at how this keeps ending. I mean, how many of us would keep serving God if every good intention we had and every ministry we had, every idea ended up with a beating, a jailing, or getting run out of town? Okay, these are the blessings of God. But instead of being a complainer, he said, hold on, I'm going to take this plane today into a different atmosphere, in an atmosphere where God is present, and I do that through, Christian, let me ask you at night, where's your plane flying? Where are you living? It's revealed by our countenances. Our families know, I'm not talking about where you're living Sunday morning, it's, it's easy to walk in the doors and, you know, give an appearance, everything's good and we're flying high. I'm talking about in reality. Where are you flying on Monday? You know what, if, if you got off your phone, got off internet, turn off the news, you could walk outside of your house after having eaten an unbelievable breakfast and enjoy the day. You could. Well, well, Pastor, you know, Ukraine, pray for them. Pray for Brother Mayer and Brother Demopoulos, Brother Prem, who's still there. People are hurting. Pray for them every day. But you're not one of those. Why do you have the face of someone displaced in Ukraine when you're with your family, your cupboards are full, you, can, you can't even get the leftovers into the fridge, and you're talking about the famine to come. You're still healthy, at least semi-healthy, and yet I'm complaining because my health is going downhill. That's everyone that's alive, their health is going downhill. Who's healthier is only getting better and better and better. It is, it is time for the people of God to be the happiest people on the planet and to say, Whatever circumstances, I'm, I'm talking about teaching our young people, fly above. No, not bringing that attitude to this car. You're not bringing that attitude to this table. We're flying above. So, so what? You lost your shoe. You've got three pair. So you fought with your sister. Some people don't have a sister to fight with. 
Just be thankful she didn't beat you any worse than what she did. (laughs) Fly above. Church, may God help us. May God help us. Because the world looks at Christians and says, you fly on the same level I do. We're training a generation of young people to fly below the clouds, live under the circumstances, and talk about how bad the storm is. When you can take that plane a little bit higher and say, yeah, there's a storm below me, but at least for today I'm flying above. I'm living a pretty good life by the grace of God and the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ.